From the Financial Times in London, I'm John Murray-Brown and this is FT News. Anglo-Dutch consumer goods company Unilever on Friday confirmed a $143 billion US dollar takeover bid from US foods group Kraft Heinz. Unilever said it had rejected the bid, setting the stage for a battle between two of the world's largest consumer goods companies. With me to discuss the implications of this possible mega-deal is Arash Masoudi, our M&A correspondent, and Matthew Vincent, the FT's Lombard columnist. Arash, first of all, perhaps you could outline the key elements of the deal. Yes, it's it's a fast-moving story. Uh, earlier this morning, we put out a, some reports of chatter in the market about a potential approach from Kraft Heinz to Unilever, which caused Unilever's share price to soar. And within 30 minutes, Kraft Heinz had put out a statement saying it had, in fact, made an approach for Unilever. It was rejected. And then about an hour later, Unilever itself came out with a more fully formed statement outlining the bid from Kraft Heinz, saying it consisted of about $30 per share in cash and about 0222 shares in a new enlarged entity. So roughly a 60-40 cash and stock takeover bid, which valued it at $143 billion. That's the key points. And it is a largely unexpected move, as many people have been trying to figure out who Kraft Heinz, which is backed by Warren Buffett and 3G, we're going to go after next. Many had focused on Mondelez, which is almost a sister company of Kraft in many ways and is run by Irene Rosenfeld, who used to be CEO of Kraft Foods. So this is a bit of a curveball. But it's a fascinating one, and it's really set the stage for one of the biggest takeover battles ever. So what is the logic from Kraft Heinz's point of view, do you think? Well, from the Kraft Heinz side, it's quite clear. They are a financial vehicle in many ways that does condiments. So things like Heinz Ketchup and Kool-Aid and Lunchables are all Kraft brands, but they're slightly tired brands, so which allows them and their owners to basically rapidly shed costs from the business and allow them to delever because these deals to form Kraft and Heinz required a ton of leverage plus cash from Warren Buffett and a Brazilian kind of backed US-based private equity firm called 3G. And through their sort of quote-unquote operational excellence, they make a ton of money, which they then use to pay down the debt. So by buying Unilever, they get unbelievable brands, think Lipton, tea bags. Dove soap, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, tons and tons of well-regarded brands that are predominant in many less developed economies. So for Kraft Heinz, they get a much faster growing stable of brands. Plus Unilever's balance sheet is much stronger. It's single A versus Kraft Heinz, which is almost uh, a couple notches above junk. And, and Unilever is often regarded as a company where it spends more than many consumer groups on marketing their products. So that's the logic. So Unilever, we are now told, have rejected the bid. What happens next, do you think, Arash? Well, the next move is for Kraft Heinz to basically launch a charm offensive, try to get access to Unilever's books, try to get shareholders on side. The tricky part here is the offer is an 18% premium to Unilever's undisturbed share price. And that is pretty low when you think about the kind of company Unilever is and the kind of premiums we've seen on mega deals, which often go between 30 and 40%. So you have to imagine Kraft Heinz did this, knowing they have more in the tank, and that sets the stage for the next round of the battle. So Matthew, if I could bring you in here, what is likely to be the attitude of Unilever's big shareholders to this approach? 
I think the uh, the big shareholders, uh, certainly a number of them, have, have intimated that the the premium on offer, eighteen percent, as uh, Arash mentioned before, there was the increase in the Kraft Heinz share price, is probably not going to be enough to really persuade them of the of the merits of this deal on on several metrics. It, it does not sort of match up to the sort of valuation that one would expect for a company that has um, higher growth rates. Uh, uh, than Kraft Heinz and potentially has more growth opportunities in emerging markets. And one other factor that Unilever's shareholders will doubtless also uh, pay attention to is the fact that it's Unilever's stronger balance sheet that is effectively going to be used to raise the money that Kraft Heinz needs to fund the deal, and that's something that they will not necessarily take too kindly to, or they certainly would want to see a much bigger premium if that's going to be the way in which the deal is uh, put together. And and what are the UK takeover rules on a bid like this? Well, the clock starts, so they have until March 17th, Kraft Heinz, that is, to table a firm bid or walk away. And under panel rules, you walk away. When you walk away, you can't return for six months under unless certain conditions are met, and it's three months. So the stakes are high, the clock is moving quickly. But as I said, they had the option to not confirm that they had made a bid and walk away after our initial scoop on the matter. But they chose to come out, which suggests they are still very interested and they're going to keep fighting for it. The flip side is Unilever has made some unequivocally strong statements in their release talking about the fact that the deal lacked both strategic and financial merit and saw no reason for the discussions to continue. So this is very harsh language, which suggests that the target is not interested in anything. So it's an uphill battle for Kraft Heinz at the moment. So could this turn into a hostile bid in your view? It's very hard to do cross-border M&A hostile, especially with a company at the size of Unilever. Again, it would really require a significant backing of the shareholders. One thing that's actually played in, in Kraft Heinz's hand today is excitement among their own shareholders. Their stock is up 8%, which has actually raised the value of their initial bid by a couple percentage points as a result of that because it's a cash-in-stock offer. So Kraft Heinz quite smartly maybe came out today beginning to set the stage for their next, their next move. And lastly, um, why do you think, Matthew, this is happening now? Some British politicians have suggested it has something to do with Brexit. But uh, what, what do you think is actually the, the timing behind this? That's undeniably a, a factor in this, and you're quite right in that politicians have been queuing up um, since details of the approach came out to to say that this is all to do with Brexit, or more specifically to do with the weakening of the pound after the UK voted to leave the EU. Um, listeners will remember that it was it was this devaluation of the pound that actually made Unilever's flagship spread Marmite a lot more expensive in shops, but it's had the absolute opposite effect in terms of Unilever itself. It's made Unilever much cheaper for um, a US buyer. And that is exactly what uh, opposition politicians have been saying. We've had the leader of the Liberal Democrat Party saying that you know, this this deal would not be happening if it weren't for, for Brexit. And also calling into question you know, the, the government's um, recently launched uh, industrial strategy, saying that uh, deals like this you know, potentially undermine it and now present a big a big test. We've had the chairman of the Commons Business Committee uh, also warning that uh, you know, this this is one of you know, many British companies that are now potentially 
in line for an approach from an overseas buyer. Of course, there are two deals that lots of politicians have looked to. One was immediately after the, the referendum. We had SoftBank, the uh, the big Japanese conglomerate, paying $24 billion to to buy up the UK's best-known tech company, Arm Holdings, uh, the chip designer for, for iPhones. And a lot of politicians have also been looking at Kraft's uh, sort of most recent takeover activity in the UK when it bought chocolate maker Cadbury. At the time, there were a lot, of, a lot of competition concerns and there were certain promises made about investment, both in Cadbury and, and you know, in the UK, which subsequently were not all met, and that is causing concern as well. So there is likely to be a lot of political noise about it, and we still await the government's uh, response. Well, thank you, Arash and Matthew. Deal Logic tells us that this is the second largest M&A deal in history after Vodafone's takeover of Mannesman, the German company, and we will wait to see what happens.